Welcome to a very special episode of DLC. This one was recorded in front of a live audience at PAX South in San Antonio, Texas. It was so much fun. We have a great group of guests. I do need to thank Cashfly for providing the hosting services for all of the shows on the 5x5 network this week. They are the best CDN in the business. You should check them out for your own hosting needs by going to cachefly.com. Check them out today. We're going to get right into the show, the live show recorded in San Antonio. And then afterwards, there's more bonus content with Christian and I. So stick around for that as well. We'll talk to you soon. There it is. It's time for DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Cashfly and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm here, as always, with my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who's making his first live appearance at PAX South with me right now in front of a live audience, Christian Spicer! Hello. <laughs> I like to think of myself as the younger, more attractive, more optimistic Jeff Kanata. Yeah, I think that all works. I think that all, that all tracks. Uh, you know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. This week we're excited because DLC stands for doing it live at a convention. We are live here at PAX South, and we have the most amazing group of people I could possibly imagine uh, here with us. James Stevenson from Insomniac Games. Hey, how's it going? Adam Sessler from Everything You Know. Thank <laughs> <laughs> right, you. Scott Kurtz from PvP Online, Table Titans, Acquisitions, Inc. I'm not... You're going to have to remind me who this guy is. Hi, Anthony Carboni. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anthony's here. You, you may, he's here just to plug uh, another panel that's tomorrow night at 8 in the same theater. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm so excited you guys are all here. Um, this, is, this is a really a, a great group. I don't know how I'm going to possibly moderate this, but I want everybody to, you can't. to jump. You can't, can't control this. Yeah. You've already lost it. You already let me interrupt you. It's over. The yeah. show is done. Anytime Anthony's on a show, it becomes Anthony's show. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> I, I know that very, very well. Um, but, you know, we start the show always with story of the week, so maybe we should start that way as well, and maybe you guys can help me out. Ready? One, two, three. Story of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the... That's excellent. Thank you, guys. Uh, I think the, the biggest story out of PAX so far uh, is uh, a little announcement from Insomniac. Oh, it's so convenient. I'm here. Hey, wow. That worked out well. Um, so Song of the Deep was announced. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. Uh, it's a cool kind of passion project we've been working on for about a year with uh, about 10 to 15 people, or 15 right now. And um, it's kind of a Metroidvania uh, explore under the sea. You play a 12-year-old girl who is searching for her father who's been lost. And um, you have this submarine, and you get all these upgrades, and you explore all these kind of magical, wondrous places. And... Um, 
we're going to have it out this uh, summer on uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and uh, PC. You can yeah. download it from all your favorite stores there, or you can pick up a physical copy at GameStop. And part of that news is GameStop is actually going to be publishing the game. So um, oh, their first of, game that they've ever cool. published. Yeah, they had Congregate, which they did some kind of like you know web games and stuff, but this is sort of their first big console game that they've ever published, and they've been an amazing partner to work with, and it's been a lot of fun because you know they're just like you guys have creative control, like we don't want to ha- deal with that, we just want to help you like bring your vision to market and get it out in front of a lot of people. So it's actually been really amazing to work with them. Yeah, a very different kind of game for Insomniac, two D side scroller, yep. Metroidvania. Yep. Uh, sort of a smaller-ish game, right? It's going to be about yeah, fifteen. Yeah, it's going to be a fifteen-dollar game, yeah. and I think it's interesting. We've always loved Metroid. I think if you ask Ted what his favorite video game of all time is, he would tell you it's Super Metroid without like any hesitation. He's just that is his answer. And um, if you go back to like even like Ratchet and Clank one. Um, there's a lot of like Metroid influence where it's like there's areas you see early in that game you can't get into until you get a gadget later on a different planet and you're backtracking and doing some of that. So I think we've always really wanted to make a Metroid style game. And so when we had this opportunity and this idea and this partner, it was like, oh, we finally get to do this. And that's kind of been a lot of fun for all of us. Yeah, I had a chance to play it this morning. It, it's, it's, first of all, gorgeous, right? You guys yeah. get a chance to see it? Anybody else? Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, it is, it is beautiful 2D animation. Uh, 2D, you know, it looks very anima- animated, yeah, I think, yeah, like kids' animation. Right, we wanted yeah. that, like, painterly, artistic feel, and, yeah, uh, you know, all the parallax, you know, sort yeah, of environment, so you have that kind of classic, great retro look, but then just with all the horsepower we can throw at it with these consoles. Yeah, and, and really classic Metroidvania-style upgrades and puzzles. The puzzles uh, in the little bit that I was playing were really cool. It was like this color theory stuff with different color lasers interacting with each other like a red laser and a blue laser makes a purple laser and you have to figure out how to direct the lasers to interact with themselves to create the correct color to unlock the door. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun and I think it's you know, it's awesome to be able to make a game like this in this day and age and uh, get it out there in the way that we're going to and I think it's fun because every week, you know, every day there's new creativity put into it, and the team's just pouring themselves into it right now to have it done this summer. So it's been really fun because we've had it, you know, been working on it in secret for so long that it's been amazing just to be able to get it out there. And, um, and you know, Ted and Brian are here. Actually, if you want to meet Ted uh, Price and Brian Hastings, they'll be at the, uh, we have a lounge kind of in the main area. It's on the world map you'll see, and you can go see them uh, after this panel. They're there from 1 to 3, so if you want to get stuff signed. They're in a little out. glass box yeah. in the lounge, and if right. you go by, you can just wave to them, and Ted is forced to wave back. You're not allowed to <laughs> tap the glass. Ted Price hates it when you tap the glass. Don't tap the glass. <laughs> drives him nuts. Does GameStop hate GameStop now? Because... <laughs> Developers hate GameStop because it cuts into their profits, but now it's the same person with the same profits. I'm not, are they happy or mad? Like, we're doing it! Used games are killing us, though. <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, I, I kind of think it's fun because GameStop has had this platform forever in terms of all these stores, and you think about, like, uh, these smaller games, they always kind of lived or died. Live or, there was a lot of living or dying based on getting really great placement on Xbox Live or great placement on the PSN store, great placement on Steam, and GameStop all this time has had this great store that placement <laughs> really matters in, and they have the ability to bring these smaller games to a much larger audience than they get and put them in front of their customers. And they have all these great, you know, GameStop managers, like, and the employees there generally do love games. That's why they work there. And so for them to be able to sell a game like this right as it comes out in a physical form, I think is really something cool and could be something really amazing for smaller games, which I think a lot of us really enjoy. I personally do. Um, so I think it's actually a really great thing for the industry in general. 
I think it's awesome because uh, so many of my favorite titles of the last few years have been these sort of smaller passion project titles for developers, and you don't get a cool like, like box. Like Grow Home, for example? Oh mm -hmm. my god, shut up. Good game, really good game. That game is garbage. If anyone is here that <laughs> Grow Home is amazing! If anyone in wow. this room worked on Grow Home, I love you as a person, but that game sucks. This is not so many expletives. This is not you. about Grow Home. The controls aren't justified home. in the world. It does nothing to further the story. The animation is clunky. It was wasted assets that were going to be used in a different Ubisoft game when they released it so it. they could milk some money in a crappy product. The game is shit. Sorry, it's going to be edited out later. That game is complete shit. <laughs> and the only reason people like it is because it's attached to a hippie aesthetic about something about the environment in a cute no, world that's no. saved on presentation alone. The narrative and the gameplay don't justify the shitty controls. Oh, I'm sorry Christian. if you have kids Whoa. here. This is a clean wow. bird. I'm going to be. We're running a clean bird. I'm editing this episode so I know when this happens. See yourself I'm sorry out, for kids in the audience. I want to know how many. Awful. It's a clean bird. The only game worse than that. It's Tony Hawk 5. Yeah, that well, game is awful. How many awful. people in the audience liked Grow Home? Get the heck out of here. There's a guy! One, two, There's that's a guy. It. It's like a guy. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. All How right. many actually played well, it? Well, I like that guy. I just want to say it was okay. two people raised their hand out of an audience of <coughs> 4,000. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I was get, yeah, what I was going to say is the, the issue with maybe it's not Grow Home, Christian. Maybe everything is okay. Um, with... with being really into these smaller titles is you don't get the cool box for your shelf anymore. You don't get to display it with the rest of your collection in a way that I really enjoy. And so I like that there is going to be a place for these smaller passion this project games. This is why we games. need dates and hashtags. There haven't been boxes for years. No one has boxes. No I one has shelves. I, I, I get <laughs> physical copies of games that I really, really love that I know I'm going to love forever. Everything else I get, like, I download. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm in a post-box world now. I'm with you, Scott. Are you in a post-shelf world, well, too? You walk into Scott's place? Now, let me ask you a question, <laughs> though. Yeah. I mean, Do you except still for board order board the collector's edition of every WoW expansion? Yes. Because, because I started, started it, yeah. and now you have to finish yeah. it. Yeah, it's pulled. And it's never going to finish. Oh, that's, no, a great, that's actually demise. a great question. When GameStop publishes your game, do you get to choose the eight different levels of pre-order bonuses? <laughs> <laughs> so, Welcome to the roast of James Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, At least he's here. Nobody from Grow Home is here. Good. There's get out. nobody to roast. Get out. Do you know why they're not here? Because the controls didn't work well enough for them to walk into the freaking room. The game is awful. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Adam, you also have a game. Uh, yes. that you're here kind of representing at, at PAX, right? Um, you were on our show talking about the Friday the yes. 13th game, which is this really cool concept of 1v7 asymmetrical. 1v7, and even though it's not proper 1v7, let's you know, look, the, 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 probably the best known asymmetrical game out there right now is Evolve. And why I think it's distinct from that, and it's not better or worse, is with your 1v4, that those four working concert, in essence, all four are trying to sur survive to get through the game. In Friday the 13th, it's really one v1 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 v1. Assuming that you're <laughs> one of the seven counselors. You mean like this podcast? You care about yourself. <laughs> You want to make it through the night. Yeah. Oh, it's cool if, like, your buddy makes it out with you, yeah. but you care about yourself. That may mean you do want to work in concert with a couple of people, but you may not want to kind of slow yourself down with working with everybody. Uh, ways of kind of living through the night and escaping Jason might be you find the parts for the car, you fix the car, and you get out of there. But there's only four seats in the car. 
So if you're with five people, this yeah. becomes a rather Awkward. dangerous proposition. We got a real ending Same of the mist the scenario yeah, going on here. That's why God invented laps. Have a lap yeah, to sit but on. A, 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 a lap in a time of crisis is not really a reliable <laughs> you way of transportation. <laughs> yeah, that's see, see. Yeah, Christian is now sitting in Jeff's are lap. There, for those at home, are there virtual laps in the game? You have to, but, yeah, but you have to respect other people's personal space, Jeff. That's true. <laughs> that makes some personal people space, very uncomfortable. <laughs> Like Christian just didn't. Yeah. I, I, my favorite thing is Christian doing a visual gag in an audio show. My... <laughs> <Nailed> it. <laughs> no one describe it. If you weren't here live, you don't deserve to know what that bit was. You'll also never know what curse words he used earlier. <laughs> uh, so th is that game? What's the progress? Where, where are we at with Friday the 13th? Well, um, obviously the the game is being made. So there was the Kickstarter. That's why I was on the show, and yeah. that closed out successfully. Uh, you were on the you. show because. We're buds, and you wanted to hang out. Like, I would never <laughs> use you to promote something. <laughs> thank you. Put hat in hand looking for coin. <laughs> thank I you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No. Um, yeah, we, we, we hit that goal. If anyone here donated, thank you so much. Um, that, was, th that now allows the game to go from its previous iteration, which was a game called Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp, and now becoming Friday the 13th. Um, last week was really cool. I didn't get to be there. Uh, we had Kane Hodder, who played Jason in the latter movie, so uh, seven, eight, nine. He's probably the most iconic version of it, the undead, dripping with seaweed, you yeah. know, creepy Jason. Is he like that in real life? Not as different from the characters you would think. <laughs> um, if you the look seaweed at the, isn't dripping. If you it's look well at the Kickstarter video in real life. He, he, he put me in a chokehold and I was slowly asphyxiated. <laughs> um, and wow. actually, I learned from him. And, and last week, they were using him for the mocap because uh, he's playing Jason, uh, the, the various Jasons that are going to be in the game. Um, and what I learned when I was interviewing him, and he was definitely demonstrating it in the mocap sessions, is he's a little method. <laughs> so uh, when you're not fully we need to bring simulating in more pain for this because there is some work. pain that is being incurred yeah. by the poor other mocap artist who is having a piece of rebar put through their eye socket or <laughs> something like that. Uh, he, he, yeah. he, he, he definitely gets into character. Um, yeah. I, would, I would prefer a Meisner technique. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's pour a one out more for three interns at the mocap studio. <laughs> Kid comes home with rebar in his eye. I'm learning a lot. So, so, the, so you're now able to call it Friday the 13th, which is great. Yes. Friday uh, the 13th, the game. The game. Yes. And uh, do we know a release window? Do we know when to expect yeah, there, there's, it? Yeah, there's some talk. We're still kind of eyeing the end of this year. Uh, I think it's also... As we're now progressing, and there are some goals, we are looking to, we, we, we didn't reach all of our stretch goals, um, and it's still something that we are hoping to do. There, there is something that we're calling the slasher backer instead of the slacker backer campaigns. We are still uh, soliciting some donations to see if some of those bigger goals, including the uh, single player elements, not a campaign, might be included. Uh, that would obviously have some adjustment maybe to the time schedule, but as we said at the Kickstarter, we were eyeballing the end of this year. That could extend. That's, so. I actually was going to ask that because there were a lot of really great kind of stretch goals on that that, mm -hmm. that weren't hit like uh, there was there were actual stretch goals based on different movies in the series so there like, was the Jason Takes Manhattan there like the, the famous Jason, sleeping bag kill yeah, which is yeah, yeah which and the Jason X level and like that yeah, kind of stuff that so kind of stuff so that's that's still in play you know you know with 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 funding allowing for that and that obviously could change some degree of development yeah. what Very do you cool. think Adam and what can you talk about in terms of what we see for games 
you know, reaching out and asking the public for funding versus what it really costs to make a game where like you go out publicly and you're like, hey, we need 2X to make this game. And then you get in closed doors and you're like, we need 5X. I don't know how yeah. we're going to do this. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it, it is a reality. It's, it's also kind of, once you see the opportunities, those opportunities then beget more opportunities. That, you know, it's, it, it is, it, it's, because people get excited about the process of, of, of making something, and it's like, well, if we can do this cool thing, that kind of like asks for this other cool thing. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a slow creeping, James is nodding yeah. his head here. <laughs> time and budget, or, I mean, that's the same thing, basically. Time is money in game development. The more people, the more time, the more it costs. And that's always the challenge. How do you make something good in the amount of time that you have? When do you need to add more? When do you need to start, you know, say, this is good enough? And I think that's always something because we can always make something better, but can you ship it on time and on budget so you can stay in business as a game developer is a really tricky thing, and it's a hard world out there. That's and I, I, it becomes a little trickier when you're dealing with a license that has kind of the, the prevalence of, of Friday the 13th because that brings with it, with it a, a very clear expectation in terms of quality, authenticity, and once again, that you know, brings money with it. If, if it stayed too. slasher, it could have been a little bit cruder in its design and its look. Is the approval process really... Uh, Tenuous? There's like one dude in right? charge of the license, a, 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 right? Approval in terms of the license? Yeah. Um, yes and no. It's multifaceted. I mean, the license, they now have the license to be able to go and make the game. And the game license does exist separate from the film license. But there, then again, there's visual elements, so it does cross over. Yeah. So it's, I, I wouldn't say it's arduous. It's... Byzantine. I think there's no one. There's way. no one going. Jason would never do that. <laughs> there, I mean, we, wanted, we just want him to cuddle. A little the, the cuddling. One, the one thing I can say is he's there sitting are on somebody's rules, lap. It's fine. There wasn't the rules, any space in the car. We we would never want to violate those rules. Yeah. The audience would never want to see those rules violated. So I wouldn't say it's 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 something crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, the, the the rules are exactly what you would think they were. Something that I, that I, I've been wondering since you sort of announced your involvement with this is like. Now, you, you worked for so many years on the press side, and you, you have been on the inside, and you've had a lot of inside information about the development of games for years, so it's not anything that's super new to you, but now that you're actually somebody who's been a part of it from Go, was there anything that surprised you or anything you didn't know about development where you're like, oh, well, this makes sense now? I, I, I don't know if anything fully surprised me, but it reinforced things, uh, especially, it, it's, it's, you know, and James can probably speak to this as well, I always kind of intuited that, you know, games, it, it's not a linear entertainment form. You know, if you're making a television show, which I once did, or you're making a film, you know, you start to put those scenes together and you're like, okay, a narrative is forming. This looks pretty good. In a lot of games, especially something like Friday the 13th, which is very system-based, it's multiplayer, um, you're just kind of getting the elements in there and trying to anticipate if this is going to work, that you don't start to see all of those components sort of work in harmony until very late. I mean, it's terrifying. I have even deeper sympathies than I ever had before yeah. for the process of just kind of blindly going, I think this is going to work. Right, yeah, and sometimes <laughs> you don't know until like, you're building all these pieces in separate, you know, yeah. separate from each other, and there's all these pieces, and then you start to put them all together and stitch it all together, and it's like, ooh, like, this isn't working, or that's not working, and it's, you never really know. I mean, I think about Sunset Overdrive and the amount of time we spent from where we started with that game to where we ended up. 
uh, it was completely different. And like the amount of time just to get the traversal right took years. And it was just slow building because we, it was a new system and we'd never done it. And you just have to keep working at it and iterating is the biggest thing. It's like, it doesn't work, try it again a new way. And you just keep going until you find the right way for everything to work. And that's the hardest part because you never know how long that's going to take at times to make it good. Well, this has been asked of uh, players before. People ask players this question, but I wonder if anyone's asked developers this question. Um, try sucking less? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ouch. That's wow. not a question. Wow. That's also not a question. Um, <laughs> I want to try sucking Have less. Have you tried? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that, that's actually something that you and I were talking about on a, on a live cast the other night, Jeff, which is the, um, the sort of uh, impression that people get that developers are trying to hide things when in reality... Or what pull it really, one over them on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull, like hold something over your, or, or pull the wool over your eyes in some way. When in reality, like any game that I've seen, like really behind the scenes, it's like garbage, 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 garbage. A week before release, everything fits together all of a sudden, and I don't understand how developers are able to see in their heads oh, this is garbage right now, but once this gets fixed, that will turn into not garbage, and that will be great, and then that will fix this. It, like, it boggles my mind. Yeah. It boggles my mind how you guys juggle all of that. So you're saying Grow Home came out a week early, is what... <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you have no love or whimsy in your heart. I agree with that. Were you, and, were you and Jeff talking about this on a live cast that is exclusive for patrons only that you can find at patreon.com slash we have concerns, you guys? Hey, uh, I'll, I want to circle back to some, some more news You want to circle back to our Patreon? Yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. that too. All right. Um, but uh, let's talk about some of the games we've been playing. Scott, what, what stuff are, have you been playing lately? <laughs> this is such a setup. <laughs> I mean, does it have anything to do you with... You just want me to say Heroes of the Storm. Oh, Heroes oh, of the what? Storm! Ah! Scott, you've been playing Heroes of the Storm? That was unexpected. Maybe we should talk about that. I do play Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, you do. And, uh, but I also play this other game where I watch you bitch about Heroes of the Storm. On <laughs> <laughs> we all play that one. We all play that one. It's so, it's so funny, man, because uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm the guy that annoys everyone because I just, I'm just here to have fun. I don't care if I win or not. And I have a friend named Steve who colors all my So comics. you're the worst guy on the team. Yeah, I am. Oh, I am. And I, I, play a secret, I play a separate game in Heroes where I try to get Steve to rage quit. And, uh, this is why you never want to play with me, right, I saw, yeah, I saw no, Jeff tweeting about that. It's just that. so funny. It's just like you, your tweets just kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> there'll be some screenshot and it'll be like now someone explain the math on this because how can I with my rank being with this guy and look at his P.O. box and why would they match with this I mean I, like your yeah. tweets are hilarious can I just say that I've never Jeff Kanata is the nicest most polite most conflict averse person in the world he just wants everybody to be happy and everything to work out for everyone unless he's talking about Heroes of the Storm <laughs> In which case, he is the greatest monster history has ever created. It's true. <laughs> you it's, turn mean like that. It, it's, it brings out the very worst in me. How much yeah. do you play in a week? He plays it's a lot. frightening. <laughs> he is on all the time. Because I'll I know, forget. I'm not kidding. It's, it's frightening. Yeah, every time you log on, I'm on. Yeah, right? I'll yeah. forget and leave Battle.net on, on my second monitor, and I'll look over, and it'll say Kanata in menus <laughs> or waiting. It's always yeah. Heroes League. I will say this. Uh, I do have one comment. I think while an interesting and fun concept, I think Chogall was a huge failure. 
You know, it, it doesn't seem to be played by anybody. Because it takes a person completely off the field. And that's the one that two people yeah. use yeah. at one time or whatever. And even and, more than even more than like Abathur, which take, is is basically a, a player that is kind of off the field. But he can backdoor Abathur. There's yeah. a lot of things he can functionally do. Right. But I just it's, don't think Cho Ball Backdoor is Abathur right. something do I, I, I don't I play agree. I don't see him play it at all. I'll have to edit no. that out. All right. Yeah. Even I'm getting bored talking about All this. Right. What, 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 what's fascinating is that that it discussion does, it does doesn't lead me sound to a that bigger... much different than like management of a company. Like I don't know, Bob. I mean, <laughs> he's useful in a couple of ways, but I wouldn't be you know <laughs> sending him out in the field or anything like that. Yeah, Jeff. I do. I do want to bring something up about here's the storm and games like it because it, I wanted to bring it up on this podcast. And, and I know GameStop gets a lot of hate. And if you do approach an east-facing GameStop and a Toyota Corolla, you can get a special skin pack for his game. But I think the concept of free-to-play is BS. I think games are free-to-play like your first hit of meth is free-to-play. Yeah, and I think true. that I think that. I'm sorry, where is um, that first hit of meth? But what a great play it was. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I think free-to-play is the biggest crock of s sold to the gamers ever. Because, I mean, can you, if you ever go look at how much you've spent on Heroes. Oh, it's... How but, much have you spent, How Jeff? much have you spent on Heroes, spent? Jeff? I don't want to add that up. No. I've spent a lot. I've spent a lot. <laughs> like, but, a lot. But what do you get? What do you get? Thousands? There's, like, these little Hundreds? cool amounts that you can ride and... Wait, it's four digits? Three it's digits? Yeah, how many it's three digits? digits. It's not four digits. Not yet. No. Because and if like... my wife is listening, it's two digits. <laughs> <laughs> For so, especially for someone like Jeff, and, and this is another thing I want to talk about, because I think, I'm curious what developers think. My father's opinion on video games is that once they went online, developers had to, there's a point in time during the development of a game where it's, it's no longer making a game you love, and now it's chasing the assholes. They're going to wreck your another game. Another edit point, thanks Once so it's much. live. You mean the free-to-play, the, in the free-to-play Any community? game, any, any game, game that's online. Yeah. But, uh, Why do you look at me when you say that? I'm not, huh? No, I, I was looking at him. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's. I don't think that's really the case at all. I think we're always making a game we want to play, and um, you know the user base that comes with that usually is people. Are that you calling play my father game. a liar? Yeah, <laughs> totally, one hundred percent. No, I, think, I mean, and I think it free to play is interesting because I don't think it's necessarily a ripoff. I think you're right that there's always some strings and you can always spend a lot of money if you're not careful. Hearthstone did that to me and I spent a ton of money on Hearthstone back in the day. But I also felt like I was getting value because maybe because I played CCGs in the past so even though they were digital cards they still were cards to me that let me play this game better. So I think it just it's the value you assign Were to you it. getting value the same way nobody in Vegas ever loses money? Like everybody breaks even? Like how much did you spend? Oh not much and I broke even. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, Are well, you doing I mean, that math in your head when you do something I, like My line is I paid for the entertainment value of sitting at that table for yeah. an hour. <laughs> That's how I feel about Heroes is, is I, one of the reasons that I spend money on it is because I don't have to. Like there are wait a minute wait wait what I just, wow yeah it's complete. he can stop anytime he wants it's a psychological <laughs> trick Jeff, you've been Jeff, I just want to let you but know no, I okay, want to let you perhaps, know that you do not need to pay me to do this show <laughs> <laughs> because I watched Wildstar die on the vine because yeah. people felt well I'm not going to pay a subscription fee games are free now and they're not free that you're spending three times as much you on your now, free that, game that, of League that, of Legends. That's the part that I agree with. Yes. It's, it's not so much the act itself of having a free-to-play game is fundamentally flawed, but we have created, especially in the mobile space, this race to the bottom of pricing yeah. so that if you want to break out of that model, you already, you know, when, when, when free is kind of your baseline, 
you have no, you, you can't go sub-free. Then what do you say? And the minute you have a cost, it seems outrageous because other things are free. What do you I, say I, to Star I, Wars? I think there is some harm there. What do you say to like Battlefront that $60 plus another $50 or Arkham Knight that $60 plus $40 of just that's, garbage that you don't know too, about? That the well, season pass? Chris Kohler wrote a good piece about this actually, I think today, either last night or today on Wired. And you know, it's that idea uh, you know, I think part of it, and we can go back to the whole used game discussion, but I think the, his point was, you know, you have these really long RPG games and these games with a lot of tail end and where you have DLC to keep you hanging on to that game and keep you playing it for a long period of time. So that's why you have so many more open world games. You have so many more games with RPG elements because they're trying to broaden the value because obviously with games that are free, a $60 game better give you a lot of oomph for the money. And uh, I think that's part of it too. It's kind of that changing, you know, quality or not quality, but a changing value proposition that has but it to does. be. it does. Like I, I played Tomb Raider all the way through, and I know there's a. I, my problem is once I finish the main story, I lose interest in the side quest. So mm -hmm. DLC, uh, not the podcast, uh, but DLC for games. Like, cause like the same thing happened to me in Skyrim. I solved the main storyline. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? And my buddy's like, there's millions of side quests. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And then this thief is like, why should we let you into the Brotherhood of Rats? And I'm like, because I'm the king of the dragons. <laughs> <laughs> like, I saved the world. Another Why other. should I let you let me into the Brotherhood of Rats? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is a no, side quest? No, I mean, I, I yeah, just I finally that, though, finished. Because it is. You finish it, and you're like, you're the king, and it's yeah. just like, will you find eight badgers for me? No! No, I'm the, I'm the king! Yeah. So wait a minute. Wait. A, that's where the narrative breaks down in those open-world Bethesda games for you guys? Is that the end game when you're the king, not when you come out of a vault for the first time? No. You don't know what's happening. You pick up a gun you've never used before. You see a rodent that you've never seen before that's mutated 30 times. Where did you find this guy? And you're like, <laughs> oh, look, I guess I I'll ask myself go that every slow day. motion with this vat that I picked up off of a dead guy's arm yeah. that I've never used before and kill him hey. five times, and my son is somewhere over over there, but that looks shiny. Let's yeah. go talk to this guy with the burnt face. No, this game's incredible. The worst thing, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not a guy who's gonna sit up here and and vouch for the uh, the narrative design in a Bethesda game at all. Like, I'm not gonna do that. Okay. The I'm worst decision that. that has been made is seating Christian and Anthony together. No, no, no. <laughs> that was the biggest. The I didn't do anything. The best decision. I didn't start either of those rants. <laughs> the best decision that's ever been made is having James and I on the end because the live audience can see it here. We are cute as anything right now. We're both like lean forward looking at each other. And we both are like resting our heads on our hands like as we talk. It's James, really what are you adorable. thinking about? <laughs> do you like me? Tap on the mic once for All right. <laughs> Sorry to butt in here, but we do need to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace on the show many times. That is because I am a genuine fan of their service. I use it myself. JeffCanada.com is housed on Squarespace, was created using Squarespace's tools. If you have any need for a website of any kind, an online portfolio, even a store, Squarespace is the best place to make any kind of web presence because they have tools that are easy to create. They're easy to use to create great things. You can make a professionally designed website. Excuse me. You can make a, a website that looks professionally designed even if you don't have any coding experience and you don't have a professional on hand to do it. That's because everything is drag and drop. What you see is what you get. It's so simple to use, but you make something that looks beautiful. They have templates to start with. You can just drop widgets onto your site if you need to create some sort of 
storefront. They have that. It comes free with every site they make. The tools are so easy to use. Also, you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Uh, Squarespace is something that I've genuinely used for years, and I recommend it to all my friends. Plus, because you listen to this show, you can get a discount. If you go to squarespace.com slash DLC, you can get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for DLC, which we appreciate as well. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com slash DLC, use the promo code Jeff sent me at checkout, which is J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, Jeff sent me. You get 10% off your order. You can create a great looking website really easily. It's inexpensive. They don't charge you for trying their services. It's all completely free to try. You don't even have to put a credit card in. You can build your website completely using Squarespace's tools. Find out if you like it for yourself before you commit any of your funds. And then once you do, get 10% off by using that promo code Jeff sent me and going to squarespace.com slash DLC. All right, back to the live show. (laughs) Do you like season passes? (laughs) I want to bring up another topic, and we're going to do questions, so if you guys have questions, start thinking of them. Uh, Although this panel seems to not need them. We just go wherever we want. Um, I I want to bring up another question, because another big story of the week, which is the only segment evidently we're doing today, um, is that EA has pulled out of E3. That's what she said. I think everybody here has been to E3. Uh, Adam, what do you think? E3? Yeah, EA is not going to participate in E3. No, yeah, I actually only heard this last night, so it is official. I mean, they're yeah. having this event, I know. They're it's... having their own event, and they are not going to be on the show floor of E3. Okay, that's, so, that's fascinating. Isn't it? So um, how do you, what's, your, what's your take on this? I mean, look, E3, I mean, almost every year, I mean, the month before E3 and the month after E3, you'll have, like, you know, a, a, a bevy of think pieces. Is E3 dead? Right. Of course, when I was at G4, we could never even talk about that because that's how we made our money all year long with our E3 covers. Like, E3 is the greatest thing in the world. I love everything here. And inside, I'm dying. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think there have been a, a, a lot of shifts of, do we really need to put everything under one roof so everyone can look at it and then complain about it afterwards? Or could we have a smaller venue where we have a lot more control over our messaging? We like have no distraction. I mean, it's like, you know, you can go to the E3 booth, but what's over there at Namco? Like, right. when, you, when you have your own event, you, 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 you really have a lot more control. I, I, I kind of, I, from a marketing standpoint, it makes complete sense. Um, I think EA pulling out, because EA is so big, that really does put the existence of E3 more into question. Christian's just giggling over here like a 12-year-old. Oh, yeah, I just realized what I just said. <laughs> kids, 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 that method does not work. <laughs> no, I mean, In the game industry, it might. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's going to have huge, huge implications financially for the show itself. Yeah, that's a lot a of money, move. and that's a it's lot a of floor move. space that disappears. Now, is, do we know where they're doing this other event? Is it it's in, it's LA. in L.A., yeah. So, it's right like, basically, they're doing they're the Bethesda. They're pulling a Trump. Th- <laughs> yeah, they're doing, well, kind of, yeah. They're doing the Bethesda thing where they're going to have the press conference Sunday night, and then I think their event's on, I don't think it's during the show floor, right? It's the first, or it's Monday, Tuesday, yeah, maybe. It's like I think it's Monday, the, Tuesday or something the show like that. Starts. So it's oh, wow, kind of, so they're making people come early to just do EA for two Well, but people, most of the press, at least, is there for all the press conferences anyway, so I'm not really sure entirely how it's working, but then I think even some fans and stuff get to go too, which is oh, okay. kind of cool. Fan um, convention. I think, I think having, them, having them pull out and make people come early is not a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a myth. Yep. But I will, say, I will say this. One of my favorite things to do at E3 
is leave E3 and go across the street to where Devolver sets up their Airstream trailers and has a barbecue and lets you see their games and have a beer. Yeah. And that's like the best thing at E3. And it's across the street in a parking lot next to a Hooters. Because it's Devolver. But you're seeing this at all the conventions that have gotten uh, too big to be effective for anyone. You're seeing it at the San Diego Comic-Con, too. Uh, the, yeah. the really cool convention at San Diego is happening off-site. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and more and more people are setting up off-site. We did it one year, and it was fantastic. Is it a free rider problem, though? Because EA is able to come in, and like the Microsoft Theater or Nokia Theater, whatever it's called, they're right next door to this thing, and they know there's going to be a big grouping of people because there's E3 going on, so all the gamers and press are already going to be in town, and then they're, able, they're spending money, obviously, to set up for this thing. But if every company started doing this, you wouldn't have this huge mass of people coming together to cover this event. Mm -hmm. So, like, as more and more large publishers uh, opt out It of depends, E3, though, because, like, in this case, if you're sitting at home watching E3, I don't think you're going to notice a difference. There's going to be a press conference. Yep. There's going to be a booth that's no, going to be at a different location, and people are going to go play a bunch of the games and write about them. So you're going to still get kind of the same thing. Yeah, but I, I, I think, think what it, Christian's saying, though, is, is if enough people break off from the main event to do satellite events... There is it as much a as a draw, event. or is there a week where everybody comes to L.A. to do game well, stuff? Or we did does try it. it. Decentralized? We've, we've tried this. So we had uh, 2006 yeah, and 2000, or 2007 <laughs> and 8. We were in the Barker hangar for a year, and basically like all the publishers were set up in different hotels That was Santa my Monica. favorite year of E3, yeah. man. It was the nicest year because you went best. to the Barker hangar. That was hangar, the worst year I ever had. <laughs> yeah, you guys were screwed. Like, you were in that man, oh, man, that was... Ooh, I mean, that, well, that wasn't just because... Yeah, we were in this airplane hangar for... It was like for a Disney airplane. Don't, don't think this is like, you know, Lear Jets or a 747. This is like a prop plane with a smile on it before it crashes into the ground. Uh, and, so we, and, and once again, oh, we're having the best time of our lives. And we, and we were. That was also the year that we decided to pull out of the, uh, How early? Uh, my, of, of the Halo 3 trailer 30 seconds before it was actually over so we could go to a station identification oh, and became the that. most hated people in the world. Well, to be fair, you just did the Halo you 3 what them. Halo 2 did to everybody and just ended at the wrong time. It <laughs> doesn't really matter. Uh, people here, do you guys care about E3? Is that something that's like a big conference? Is that important to you? Or something like PAX? So I'm getting one I just guy saw doing so many answer. shrugs. Yeah. 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 So many shrugs. I feel like we hey, get the news. Hey, audience, by a show of hands, answer a really complicated and nuanced question for me. <laughs> <laughs> do you get excited about the E3 press conferences and watch them? Yeah. Hands up if yeah, you do. Yeah, so a lot of hands for yeah. that. I mean, I feel like that's usually the biggest thing, like all these new games, all these new trailers, and then you get to hear more about people playing them. But that seems always like the biggest deal to me is that it's this you know, smorgasbord of new stuff and millions of people are watching and talking about it on social media. And that kind of is this buzz and conversation moment that I think is really the key highlight of the um of kind of the enthusiasm it's, it's 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 the highlight but i don't think it's the the ostensible purpose of e3 was press sees games and buyers see games and then they make their purchase orders but because i think we've seen such a consolidation in sort of the retail space that's not as important right it really is you know was, i i don't say it's designed for press but it is designed for that I mean, type we of were coverage still, the thing is we we're still able to do that in those two small years but the industry decided oh man we're not getting good morning america anymore we're not getting like that big right. coverage and that was when everyone decided to go back to the huge booths e3 of old because those two years where we slimmed it down to be like oh it's just for press and it's just for buyers they're like oh man we lost the spectacle of it and we need that and they want to show that it's year. a healthy industry right. and that keeps investors show of hands who's ever been on the floor inside of an e3 
Fair it's like people. having an epileptic seizure in a boombox. It straight up sucks. And it's one big industry circle jerk. And it has nothing at all to do with you guys. At all. No, I think that, I mean, I've, I used to argue back then, and I would even still argue it now, that, you know, you could take the model of what television does with the television press associate, the, you know, the television critics association. Well, like the upfront. Well, no, no. Upfronts are for the, for the buyers. Okay. You could do that separately. But TCA, uh, they more or less take you know, people who write on television, they put them in a fairly nice hotel for three weeks, and they spend their day going into one of two ballrooms as various networks rotate in, show them their slate of shows, show them a little bit of what it is, and they get the information that then they can go report on. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's organized, and also you're keeping everyone in one space, and you have their divided, un undivided attention. Yeah. Instead of like, oh my god, I hear over to Namco, or I don't know why I keep on saying Namco. I don't. I've never been to a. They Namco are the movie. kings of E3. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, with their slate of Pac-Man titles. Because I think I the first thing everybody says Cornola. when when E3 comes around is, what is Namco What's bringing Namco to the table bringing? this year? I, I still hold out that one day I'll get Klonoa 3 and I can just <laughs> yes! then, just just quietly just then go off into the sunset. God help us if Namco pulls out of E3. Well. There'd be nothing to do. <laughs> um, I actually know someone that used to work at Namco, and they, he worked on a Klonoa webcomic for him. Oh, oh really? My, I, yeah, I my business for you know. Wait, did Klonoa talk? Yeah. That's not right. He just kind of, he goes, meep. <laughs> well, meep. Yeah. I think I think he talked, wait. I would just like to say that if I can't talk about Heroes of the Storm, you guys can't talk about Klonoa. <laughs> What's more uh, There's absolutely no parity between those two things. Absolutely not. You no, can we talk, can talk about Klonoa all day. You all can right. talk about right, talk Heroes, about Jeff, after you add up how much you spent on Heroes. Right. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Live well, I on stage. I want to tell you that. Do you, know why, do you know why, though, Adam, we can't have a, an E3 that's like that Television Critics Association where it's like the quiet ballroom where we see the games and it gets written? And it's, like, it's because of you. <laughs> I know. You did that. I know. It's now it's fault. a television event. But hey, yeah, you got it. Now it's a multi-million well, dollar me. marketing television event. Yeah. Trust me. I mean, as, as now I'm on the other side of the equation, I'm just like, what have I done? <laughs> I, will, I will say, do you guys remember like E3 back in like 2000 when like essentially Nintendo would play music so loud it would go across the yep. entire PlayStation booth into the Sega booth when Sega was the big three with uh, Sony. And you would like hear like, you want to be the master of Pokemon? Do you have the skills to be number one? And you're standing in the Sega booth with headphones on. You're like, what the f is going on what over was, there? No, no, They used to have bands play. Like Activision would have like a half pipe. And people in those oh, yeah, Tony Hawk. I, the first time I ever saw Tony Hawk skate was on the floor of E3 yeah, in a half pipe. With yeah. flamethrowers. Like right. they were shooting flamethrowers. Nintendo sets up a bar. No, no. Like, the floor E3 of E3 probably allowed Smash Mouth to exist for two years longer than it ever needed to. They're like, yeah, we got Smash Mouth. I'm like, your game must suck. The floor of E3, like walking through it, is is basically like the um, the drugged out torture scene in any military movie you've ever seen, <laughs> where they're just like playing weird music and flashing weird lights at you, and like it's the like camera's going 30. straight. Yeah, it's zero dark thirty. You guys, basically. you guys with, keep saying, but with Borderlands, you guys keep saying all of this really cool stuff, and then saying at the end that, that it's bad. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> uh, that's your review of, of your Grow life. Home. Imagine awesome music. Imagine flamethrowers. Imagine people wearing nothing at all. Imagine you're on drugs and it's trippy. You know that best part of every horrible war movie? It's like that. It's it's awful, you guys. Don't go. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, if you guys have questions, you might, might as well uh, line up. I, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of games that I saw here on the show floor. If anybody else saw stuff already, I know it's the first the, day the of The show PAX. just started. I know, but I was very busy this morning. 
Uh, I want to talk about a game that uh, I saw that blew me away. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it. It's a small game. And I want to bring it up because you guys have a chance to all go look at it that are here live. And it comes out, I think, on Steam March 3rd. I hadn't heard of it. Has anybody heard of Ultimate Chicken Horse? Yes. So good. <laughs> oh, my God. Ultimate Chicken Horse is... It's what I wanted out of both Little Big Planet and Mario Maker, where it makes the making of the level a game. So basically the idea of Ultimate Chicken Horse is you're playing farmyard animals. It's a multiplayer game. Everybody rapidly picks a farmyard am animal at the beginning of the round. Then there's a box that opens up, and it's got a bunch of stuff in it, little bits that you can make a platforming level. It's all 2D, uh, and, and the, the bits are like platforms, stairs, ramps, bombs, razor blades, spikes, flames. Is and this the game or the E3 show this floor This is the E3 show I floor. <laughs> it's the, yeah. Touche. Uh, then everybody picks a thing, and then you all hurriedly place your thing on the level, and then the level starts, and you race through it to try to get to the end first. If everybody makes it alive, nobody gets any points. If only some people make it alive, the first person who gets to the end gets most of the points. Uh, if you die, you don't get any points, but if your thing that you dropped killed somebody, you get some points. Cool. Then you start a second round, all the stuff that you placed is still there, and you get new stuff, and, you, and, you, and it keeps iterating until uh, meters reach a certain level of people getting points in the level. So by the end, this is this cacophonous, wacky, Rube Goldberg Oh, machine. it's the same level, just gets worse and worse. Yes! And, worse. Yeah. and then one of the items that you can get in the box is a, is a thing that will like eliminate something somebody else dropped. Gwyneth Paltrow's so head? You, so you are, you're making the level at the same time, and you, do, you can't make it too easy, because if everybody gets to the end alive, oh. nobody gets any points. So you're you want to make it hard, and you so want to it's a very humanistic game. It I'm, is. I'm, 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 I'm getting What was the name I of the game like again? This. Ultimate Chicken Horse. Because, I mean, as someone, I, and, and, and to your point at the very beginning, like with Little Big Planet and Mario Maker, when I try to do something, I'm kind of like a seven-year-old doing pottery where right. everything comes out as an ashtray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I just, I just, I'm like, oh, I Mario. don't have the engineering degree to pull this one off. Mario's going to take up smoking. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> You need um, Patrick yeah. Swayze behind you helping is what you're telling me, Adam, and he'll... That's what's so cool about this game is that the, the, the weirder and less useful the, end, the level ends up, the better. Like, it's a good thing when you get just ashtrays because you're trying to make it... You're not trying to make a cohesive level. You're trying to make something that's difficult for everybody but you. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I like that. It's, that sounds it, like it's really, podcast. really cool. So you guys should check it out. It's in the like indie section in the back. And is there a chicken and a horse in it? Yeah, there's a, bu a bunch of different oh, barnyard animals. You can pick which one you want. There's a chicken, there's a horse. I played as a squirrel, and I owned as a squirrel. As a squirrel. Yeah. Um, and then the other game I played was Stories, the Path of Destinies. Uh, yeah, big fans of that. Yeah, um, really cool combat system, isometric game. Uh, I went because Anthony didn't go to this meeting. I had, a, I had another thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to uh, reschedule. No, he, it was go. cool. He set up the meeting. I, w I went to it. So I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and it was really cool. The idea is that it's like the um, um, Choose Your Own Adventure book, but done as a game. So you know how in the Choose Your Own Adventure books, uh, you kids ask your, kid, your parents what a Choose Your Own Adventure book is? Um, <laughs> oh, it's like a wonder book for the Sony. Remember everybody had those with the wand and the... No, no one bought those? <laughs> anyway. uh, no so one you know, I think we're all books. big wonder, bo wonder book fans. Wonder book took off. <laughs> <laughs> you know how huge. <laughs> in that alternate reality. Yeah. <laughs> you know how in Choose Your Own Adventure books, uh, most of the time you die, like most of the time you get to the end and you're like, oh, that was stupid. I'm going back and choosing a different ending. I'm going to keep going. That's well, how usually it's like, and then everything went dark. Yeah. 
you, you, you look ahead and you go, oh, that's a yep. terrible one page. That's only a one page thing. I'm not even bothering to read that because I know how that's going to end. Uh, this game kind of works the same way where it branches and branches and branches, but most of the branches lead to your demise, but they give you information that informs on the correct path. So when you go back, you have learned things because you went down the wrong path. Pretty cool. And the combat system is awesome. It's got a grappling hook and really cool stuff. So those are two games that I saw on the show floor. I thought I'd the stay at the listening audience has really missed out on Jeff's hand motions when he was explaining that game. <laughs> I'm, I'm Italian. What are you going to do? Hey, does anybody have any questions you want to ask hey, the panel? Uh, there's, there's a microphone. So we get you I on played the... a game. Oh, no oh, big deal. Oh. Uh, I mean, Christian played a game, everybody. Played a game, well, and he hated it. Oh God! It was <laughs> called Grow Home Two. The <laughs> Uh, no, people had talked about it before, and I went to check it out because I knew it was going to be here. Road Redemption, it's a spiritual kind of successor to Road Rash. Oh, if yeah. anyone's seen it, it's on the backside of the indie booth, not in the indie booth. Uh, it's, it's got uh, charm to it right now, and that it is janky a little bit, and the frame rate doesn't seem necessarily solid. But it updates Road Rash in a cool way where, the, the, at least the demo they have on the floor, you have one life. It's permadeath, so if you're in the middle of a race and you get wiped out, like I was in first place with you know, just the teeniest amount of map left, but I was going really aggro and just like wiping dudes out because that's how you build up your turbo, but also taking a lot of damage along the way. And I died, and I didn't finish. But it's cool if you liked uh, Road Rash and you're excited about that type of game. It's called Road Redemption. It's, as you would expect, you're on a motorcycle. They've added block, and you control which arm you're doing. So you have like left arm, right arm, kick, turbo, block, and you're on a motorcycle. And uh, I was playing as like uh, Pumpkinhead and just like murdering dudes. So. I had Road Rash on my 3DO. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You guys are rich kids. <laughs> I regretted you know, making that purchase. I got my 3DO four years late for like $30 at a used game store. <laughs> and I loved it. I bought it on day one like an idiot. Okay. Wow. Um, just like VR. We'll, go, we'll, we'll bounce back and forth. Uh, say your name and, and ask your question. My name's Chris. And I first want to thank you guys for coming down here. I listen to all your different podcasts. And it's a real treat to be able to see you guys in person. So oh, thank you for that. Um, I want to kind of go back to what you were talking about, how... You, you hate doing the side quest because you're already the king of the world. We'll talk about um, Elder Scrolls. But do you think, uh, especially with this environment gaming have now, developers are always trying to make everything you play however you want. Do you think that maybe we can benefit from maybe a suggested use on the back of the box saying, like, how to play it? For example, when I played Elder Scrolls, I did all the side quests first. So when I was king, of course I'm king because I'm, I'm the top of the... Uh, Brotherhood sure. or right. um, Thieves Guild or whatever it be. Um, and because I played it that way, it made sense that I was the king at the end. Well, then I, I think kinda... a lot of games benefit from that, but... I think you're describing like, a, a linear game. I think that's a good point. I've been thinking about this. Uh, this really came up when I was playing Dry, uh, Dra Dragon Age Inquisition, mm -hmm. where I, I, I like to play open world games like you. Mm -hmm. I want the last thing to be the final moment of the story. Right. Um, and in, in that case, especially... Trying to do everything, I way overpowered myself. So, you know, the last part of story didn't bring with it the sense of drama that it's supposed to because it's supposed to be challenging. And I think maybe instead of easy, medium, hard, that it asks you, do you want to do a completist run? And then it, you know, balances the game to that. Yeah. Or, and, and maybe also it helps guide you and expects you to do the story element at the very end. And it, you know, helps push you through the game. I, I, li I, I, I like that. I like that because I have this, um, I have a lot of internal neuroses, but this particular internal neurosis that I'm about to talk about happens with open world games where I don't want to miss anything. Yep. 
but I know that I'm only really invested in the main story missions, but I don't want to miss anything. And so I wind up doing all these side quests, and I, I burn myself out before I finish 90% yep, yep, of sure. overworld games that are out there. And I think something that was like a little more... The problem is, even when it's something like Dragon Age, Dragon Age does a pretty decent job of letting you know where the story's going next. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I can't. I feel like, no, I can't move on there yet. Even though I know I'm about to burn myself out on this game, if I move on to this story, I feel like I'm missing out on this whole chunk over here. Yeah, well, the worst part is like in Fallout 4, when you get to that part, which I just... The opening, did, where it goes, and then the game continues. Ch choose, choose a faction, yeah. and 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 then everything else is fail, 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 yeah. fail, because the other factions are like, well, we hoped you were doing this, but now you hate us, so I right. guess you're failing all our quests. Yeah, and then there's no way for the other factions to know. The one thing I hated about Fallout 4, as far as the narrative or lack of narrative, was that all of the factions were very neutral. There was no, I guess the guy that ran the Brotherhood was kind of crazy, and I guess Father was kind of. Crazy, but everyone yeah. was somewhat reasonable. I mean, you <laughs> at some point you have to choose to, you know, turn on a bunch of people that are just trying to get by like well, you. Dude, I, I got to, I mean, spoilers for Fallout 4, I guess, a little bit, but I got to a point where I was like, these Institute fellas make a whole lot of sense. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, like, honestly, this is like, the, that's well, the that world kind of, I would want to live in. I think that's a great thing, though, if you, like, legitimately have a very difficult I choice. I honestly did like, not understand no, what I, I, I mean, was trying to do. I have no clue what the Institute was about. <laughs> if anyone can explain to me what they were doing, other than just kind of hanging out where all the cool tech was. They I, wanted to make nice things that looked nice and not No, the Institute was all about hygiene. I just, I I just mean, kept running into houses full of dolls and skulls. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm like, I have this no is idea. good. Here's, here's the problem <laughs> like I have. For 20 hours, it was all houses full of dolls and more, skulls. <laughs> more, than, more than even uh, something on the box that says, here's how you play the game, as far as, uh, you know, how to complete it. I think... I think somewhere along the way, whether it was the internet or cost or whatever, developers, more than the box, developers stopped feeling a responsibility to explain to you how their game works. Yeah, James. And I, I, come, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying I need a Falcon 4 stage. technical manual. <laughs> I own that game. I understand that there's things like Prima Strategy Guides, but I think everyone got super f***ing lazy. And one of the things is, I've never, I'd never played a Fallout game before, Fallout 4. And I don't need anyone telling me, well, you know, you should have played the other games. But it's really crazy when you can't figure out simple things like if you, you know, you can find duds and reset tries. And, like, we had to figure out how to, just mechanics of the game weren't even explained. I agree with you. Anywhere. And I have to go hunt them down. And it's Yet we all love Bloodborne. Which has always been right. mystifying. And I mean, I, 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 mean I, I agree with you. I mean, it's like that's, that's been my issue with the Souls games. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not talking about the meta, right? Like, I'm not, ex I'm not expecting them to explain the math to me. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll leave that to the, the crazy but wow sites and stuff. But if, if you're not going to explain to me that this stat gives me, you know, like, there's yeah. no... Yeah. Well, yeah. They did, a really, they did a really interesting thing where they, they really did lean heavily on the fact that they... They assumed that you had played a lot of past right. Fallout games. So you got, no, uh, you got no explanation of simple mechanics, but then you get to the point where it, they want you to play The Sims, and they want you to play The Sims for eight hours because they're going to explain to you how to move every building. Because that was the new, there's, there's that was whole, the new but, function. And well, I was like, this that is was the weird. least interesting Like wires part. and someone, stuff, electricity someone, wasn't well explained either. Yeah, I mean, like, that, Fallout 4 is a good example of like, some weirdness in that, like where there's moments where you're kind of like, I don't, like, I, even I had to, like, I was like, I think they moved the VATS button 
button. I, I feel like they moved VATS from Fallout 3 because I kept pressing what I thought was supposed to be the VATS button, and I must have missed the prompt because there's like one prompt to use VATS, and then I was like, what the hell? How can I not use VATS? And then I Googled, and it's like, oh, it's this button now. I'm like, oh, great. But there was some weirdness where I think like it was kind of just a hardcore game, and they were like, you'll figure it out. You'll use the internet. Um, I, I, that said, I do think most developers are over, like we usability test lots of things where we watch people play so that they learn how to play the game and if they aren't picking something up then we put more prompts in, we put more dialogue in from characters. I think that's something maybe, and I think there's almost a little bit of maybe we overdid it and now there's like a, a whiplash where some people are trying to back off to make it more gamey again and Definitely. I think the balance yeah. is kind of hard to strike. Well it's also just part of Bethesda's house style sort of too, right? Like they're, yeah, they're sort of famous for Fallout, like, yeah, they're sort of famous for having like a smaller team than you would normally associate with a game of that size and they just like it's they just like a, to drop you into the world. That's their thing. Right. No, but the, 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 the one thing I do think that Bethesda does do well, which I think is one of the bigger issues with open world games, is I get a good sense of what my, I want my priorities to be. I feel fairly well informed there. Mm -hmm. And there's so many open world games where I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Should I do the side quest before I do the main quest? Is there an ability that I'm going to get by doing something that's going to make not just, you know, maybe a side quest possible, but enjoyable. Yeah. That, you know, I, I, I think that there's too much of a crutch of play how you want. I think that's actually a load of garbage. I think that, you know, you're making the game. You probably yeah. have a good idea of what the ideal yeah. playing this experience is This is not a tabletop game. And yeah. you yeah. should not be, tell your own you know, story. No, give but the, I got, give I got, the player yeah. the illusion that they're making that choice, mm -hmm. not that they really are making right. that choice. I think what we're saying is that was a great question, and we all should take medication because clearly we can't control yeah. our... <laughs> one, one question down. All right, doing well. Uh, go ahead. Which right, packs is uh, this? Hi, I'm Tyler from Kansas City, and uh, I want to do a little predictions with you guys. Okay. So, let's just draw some lines in the sand here. Will You'll the die on December 16, 2048. <laughs> yeah. This Thank is you, the Anthony. wrong city to draw a line in the stand, <laughs> because in yeah. this city... Well, this is, that's all we got to do. We got to make a stand right here. They drew a line. So, here is the debate. They walked on one side of it. <laughs> yeah. They all died. And then hundreds of years later, they made a Pee-wee movie there. So, kind of worth it. I don't know. So my question falls in that same vein. Will the Nintendo NX be the last Nintendo home console? No. 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 No? No. I love the stink no. on that. No. <laughs> no. No. It, it should be. Scott Kirk nearly quit the table. You want to no. tell us why, well, Scott? Wait, are you asking if the next Nintendo console will be the last home console? The last no. non-handhold console. There's been a debate going on in DLC for a little bit about will it work or will it not work? Just Nintendo's last. Just Nintendo's like, last. No, Japan's no, Nintendo's last. Clearly, in the no. ocean. Why, why would it stop? <laughs> why would it stop? Because it because it moves to He's saying they would go. They would. would they, do, they would pull a Sega out? and they would go uh, software only or handheld only. Oh. Software only, handheld only, stuff like right. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Thank you for the question. No, I, 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 Nintendo I'll, I'll, consoles next. are kind of like <laughs> Nintendo consoles are kind of like Star Trek movies, where like every other one is the good one. <laughs> yeah. So like we Where all we really like the Wii. We didn't. We don't. Where the we Wii U's not doing so hot. Is Wii U undiscovered one, country? Oh, yeah. next one is generation. But wait for so, ten years ooh. from now when JJ makes a Nintendo conference. Woo! What were you going to say, James? Five minutes. No, Kanata, I just five think they, I, and I know we've got a lot of questions. Uh, I think it's like one of those things where they have this great suite of IP and games that they can put on an exclusive console and people will buy it just for that. And yeah. Yeah. I don't see why they would stop, especially as long as they are more, par if they have parity in the future and they can get ports of other games and make their portfolio a little more rounded, I think they'd be okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing they really have to strengthen up with the homes. Or if they just open up their entire back catalog on the new console. I'd do it too. 
then I don't need another Nintendo and, and console for the rest of my service. life. Yeah, do the Netflix for Nintendo, and I think you have it. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, this is Mark from here in San Antonio. Uh, this past week, I was able to pick up Shadows of Mordor for Steam for eight bucks. Yeah. You go on to uh, the console, the Xbox or PlayStation consoles, that's about $30, $35, with uh, almost no chance of those ever coming down in price. Can you guys talk about some of the uh, problems that you guys see with digital delivery for the console systems? Unlike Anthony, I like to have something I can just pick up and play. Just want to download it, don't have to switch discs, don't have to worry about any of that. But the prices are not competitive at all. Uh, can you guys talk about a little bit why, why that is and if you see that changing in the future? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, when, when the publishers, when, when the hardware makers own the platform and they know that that's the platform that you have, they don't need to go as low on the pricing. They can, they can keep it up. Uh, the, the, the issue with, the, issue with the, the PC stuff is like, yeah, you can get Shadow of Mordor for eight bucks, but you're going to have to build a PC that can play Shadow of Mordor and make it look at least as good as it does on a PS4. So it's, it's, it's always been a question of, do you want to make the initial outlay? Is that your investment? Or do you want to pay very little up front and then just grab the games as you go? And it, it really just depends on what your, what your priority is. But if I was, you know, if I'm, if I'm Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo, I'm like, yeah, you don't have to put a sale on. I get 20% of whatever you, of whatever so you sell. Sony's been, sell for 40, but Sony's been better. Some Sony's of their flash better. sales have been pretty good if you're a yeah. PS Plus member, too. And yeah. Microsoft's getting there now with some of them. They had, like, their biggest sale of the whatever, their holiday sale. It wasn't bad. Sunset Overdrive, I think, was five or eight bucks, which, yeah. if you haven't played it, it's totally worth playing. Uh, yeah, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, <laughs> at that price, don't pay more than that. <laughs> but yeah, if, so if you're one of those people that can wait, like Shadow of Mordor came out a while ago, if you're going to wait until it's eight bucks, then yeah, something like PlayStation Plus is really good because like, yeah, if you, if you can wait two months, you're going to get the game for free or you're going to get the game for 15 bucks, which is going to be the same as the well, PC. Well, what's happening is that the, the, the publishers who are direct selling are, have a lot of pressure from the brick and mortar to not undercut the prices so that you can't just always get it cheaper online. Uh, and so there's still that little mini war that's going but on. It's, it's, it's the same thing in the film industry. Yeah. That, that's why you know, the, you know, the theater exhibitors, it, the last thing they want to see is a movie suddenly become available only a month after they had it in theaters because it is a much cheaper you know, proposition yeah. that you know, it, it is to preserve an old economy. I will say this, though, and, and it, it drives me nuts. I didn't realize I had bought Destiny on a disc. I think it came with my PS4. But when I upgraded the Taken King, I thought, oh, I'll try Taken King. I bought it digitally, spent half a day downloading it, went to install it, and said, oh, we're sorry, you have the disc version of Destiny. You have to uninstall it and re-download all of oh, Destiny. Yep. What? So yep. that you could install the Taken King, and I was like, that is bull. Yep. That is bull. That's crazy. So that I don't like. <laughs> uh, we are here now. Yeah. Personal thing. Hey guys, my name is EJ. Thanks again for coming down. Um, my question is: Growing up in the '80s, I like to consider that the golden age of games when we all, everyone here, probably started loving games. Oh well, we're all like 24. So okay. yeah, 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 I don't know. I, I was there. We're very young. I was there. <laughs> Okay, so I feel like the content creators and the consumers have pushed the industry to where it is now, and I'm kind of worried what's coming after us or when we all get older and old enough to stop playing and old enough to stop making content. Is the generation that's coming up behind us going to be strong enough to keep gaming at the level it Dude, is Dude, have now? you yeah. seen the yeah. kids out on the show floor? Uh, 
More people Ultimate... game now than ever. Kids are gaming on iPads when they're like three years old yeah. and they're playing uh, games. Is, you know, is, and... that, is that diluting the essence of what PlayStation no, 4 so is they're... selling faster no, than any other console? Games I mean... are fine. You're old. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I so am I. So am I. And my dad, my dad's downstairs at my booth. He's going to be 72 in July and he still plays Diablo 3 every day. So. Yeah. And he one calls day, me every day. And he told, day, you, he told you that you, your generation was ruining games, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the yeah. thing. One day those kids are going to teach you how to use your remote control. Yeah. You're going to be totally out of it. We're this, is, this is just the first sign of that happening. Well, games are getting easier to, to make, you know? And so, you know, young kids can make games. That Ultimate Chicken Horse was made by two kids. I was down there. There's two kids. It's our first game. Yeah. Today. They made it today. They didn't even. <laughs> that game didn't even exist. They're also, they're also both 38. Jeff's just 50. So yeah, Jeff is 49 that. years old. I'm not. None of that's true. Uh, One last Jeff, question. Jeff, right? Last question. Hi, my name's William. Uh, I've never really heard y'all's show before, but I think after today I'm going to start watching it every time. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm glad. Awesome. Uh, that's a great question. What do you guys think about games that get hyped too much or hyped to death like... Uh, Undertale or Five Nights at Freddy's? Undertale I have played. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's I have watched other people play. <laughs> uh, those, are the, those are the two that you brought up specifically? Anybody else have experience oh, with yeah. those? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Five Nights at Freddy's is great. Five Nights at Freddy's is great not because it's uh, a great game. Like, it's not a particularly well-made or, or interesting game mechanically, but, man... Uh, if you sit down with somebody who just is scared of everything and you make them play Five Nights at Freddy's, it's so good. It is how, so good. I love how the whole panel, we all love games and every single game is sh We've hated every game that we've I played. haven't hated anything. But no, like what I'm saying is it's not a game that you go to for a pan for, for like a uh, right. for like a challenge or like it's incredibly like well made mechanics. Like you look at cameras and you shut doors. Like, yeah. that's it. It's very simple. But it's scary as hell, yeah. man. And it's so much fun to sit down with somebody who has no idea what they're getting into and make, and make them play Five Nights at Freddy's for the first time. Scott, I'd like to point out that the only thing that I've hated is bad Heroes players. So... <laughs> Um, I guess that's going to wrap things up. We got, we got to get out of this room, uh, although they could probably fit in a couple of other shows. No, they could not. They could fit no one else in this room. Yeah, thank right. You, for been, us you guys, capacity. thank you for coming down. This has been awesome. Uh, and I, Yes, thank you. I, thanks for listening to the show, uh, and thank you to James Stevenson, Adam Sessler, Scott Kurtz, Anthony Carboni, the amazing Christian Spicer, and thanks to all of you. Oh, Christian, that was such a fun time. That was such a great show to be a part of. I had such a good time. Yeah, we talked about this off mic a little bit when we were flying back to L.A. too early in the morning, but um, I am just humbled and blown away by our community and the support and that people waited in line to come hang out with us at that live show at Pack South. The audience was awesome. Um, the the art, There was no audience mic, so... It didn't uh, pick up as much as what we were hearing live in there. But what a great audience. They were so supportive, singing jingles, laughing along, supporting our stupid jokes, and just uh, what an <laughs> awesome show. What a great time. Yeah, it really was. Thank you to everybody that showed up. Uh, but we wanted to add a little more show. We only had an hour slot there uh, for the live panel, and usually our show is 90-plus minutes. So um, I know there was lots more to talk about. We had, a, we had a big, lively crew, and some of the stuff that I wanted to get to we didn't get a chance to talk about, including what's on our playlist because uh, I have a couple of really high-profile games on my playlist, and I know your playlist is chock-full of games too. too. So uh, what were you playing, Christian? 
Well, so I loaded up on uh, on Vita stuff to get me through traveling to Pack South, and then this weekend I'm going to be at the North Carolina Comedy Arts Festival in Chapel Hill doing shows, so we'll carry over for there. And uh, I picked up Lego, oh, what's the real name of this? Lego Marvel's Avengers, I think is what mm-hmm. they call it. And it's the newest uh, Lego game. I got it on Vita, and I also, because it was on sale, I picked up Lego Batman 3. It was like 5 bucks or 8 bucks again, on, on Vita as well, just because one of the same game isn't enough. I need to have the exact same game with just um, <laughs> palette swaps. Yeah. But what is really cool about Lego, well, so Lego, Lego Marvel's Avengers. Lego Marvel Disney's... <laughs> comcast avengers right uh lego lego avengers not lego dimensions avengers lego made by wb but this is a disney property and not warner brothers or dc (laughs) um this is the first portable game that has open world hubs which when they started doing on the console releases it might have been lego batman 2 i could be wrong but uh, this is the first one where you have a open world manhattan that you unlock when you get to it in the story and it's really cool it's not um obviously as robust as the console version and when you're flying with like iron man or whatever you you don't see the cars on the streets but if you land there is some limited you know civilians that walking around cars driving around once you get into the open world hubs you have two hubs i believe manhattan and um, a shield the helicarrier the helicarrier is obviously smaller than Manhattan, but no load times when you're in there. And I think it's it's really cool that the teams pushed to do this on the handhelds because they could have easily just released, you know, just the story levels like they have before. But for me, for these Lego games, when they introduced the open world hubs, that that's where I liked to play with all the 150 whatever characters are in the game because you get to test them out and fly around and smash stuff and break stuff. Yeah, And uh, it's really cool. It's really well done. It's obviously... You know, it's a Lego game, and this one is um, following the plot of uh, through Age of Ultron of the Marvel movies is what this one is. So those are the characters you'll see in it, Avengers 1, Avengers 2, and some Cap 2 and stuff like that. But it has, um, you know, voices from the movies, and uh, it's really well done. I'm, I am enjoying it, but it will not make or break you on the series, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's more of more of the same right it's 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 you know it got those that open world hub stuff but other than that it's still a lego game right and for me though it's a perfect plane game because i turn off my brain it's kind of like diablo in the way that i'm just smashing stuff collecting stuff unlocking stuff smashing stuff collecting stuff and then it's a story that i know with fun little dumb humor uh where when hawkeye shoots loki in the battle of new york in this game spoilers it's a joke spoiler he shoots a a baguette at him <laughs> and Loki catches the baguette and is like, ha ha ha. And then a flock of like pigeons take him out because he's holding a chunk of bread, like just dumb Lego yeah, jokes, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's perfect for travel. What about you've been playing uh, the opposite <laughs> of yeah. brain dead games. Yeah. On, on a plane, no less. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I brought my laptop and I've been completely hooked on the witness, which is the new Jonathan blow indie game. Um, that is basically just puzzles. It's it's literally sit there and think. And I thought, well, you know, the system specs, I can turn the settings to low. It, it is a pretty game when you have the you know high system specs. But I could just turn the settings to low, throw it onto my laptop. I have a three-hour flight. I brought a little uh, Xbox controller, plugged it in, and played it on the plane. And it turned out to be a great way to spend my flight because – you know, just sitting there thinking through these puzzles. And it is an open-world game. Um, you can... It's crazy, dude. This this game is basically a Metroidvania 
where instead of a new power-up being the thing that unlocks a new area, it's literally information in your own brain. So you know how in Metroidvania, the, the entire template of a Metroidvania is you can see other areas the, that you could go to, but you need to get the ice beam or you need to get the, you know, the, spe- the bombs or whatever in order to get there. And so you can't get there yet, but there's a tease of, oh, I'll backtrack and go over here and do this. The same thing is here. There's this massive open world that has all these different areas that are different environments and you know, there's icy area and there's deserty area and there's lush green area and they all have puzzles in them and some of the puzzles you can figure out from nothing and other puzzles need you to understand things before you can do them so it's not like needing the ice beam or the bombs it's like understanding this crazy iconography that just exists in this game that you learn from solving other puzzles and I think that's a brilliant thing. I think that's an amazing accomplishment to create a, a completely open space that's only locked off by learning other things that the game teaches you. And there is no text in this game. There is no instruction. There is no moment of revealing a new rule or a new thing. You just figure it out. You just come upon things. There's no The game never explains anything to you explicitly you just you have to actually use your brain to figure it out and the only thing you do in this entire game other than wander around is do is solve mazes and these mazes are basically the same thing that you and I and everybody did when you sat at a restaurant at six years old with a crayon on their little like paper mat that you had in front of you that's like start here and get to there and don't run into any uh Dead ends, that's the entire game, is solving those trace mazes. But but it's not, right? Because I feel like, so we had some of this conversation off mic when we were having lunch at PAX South, and I feel like I went through an emotional roller coaster of definitely not going to play this game. Oh my God, I need to play this game. Nope, not for me. Maybe I'll try it. I just bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy it, really? No, I haven't, but that was like oh. my arc of that lunch. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm working it on is... two hours of sleep and I just got home, so I haven't done anything. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell you if you'll like it, honestly. I'm loving it. I, I can't believe that I'm compulsively drawn back to a game that that literally is just mazes. But it and, has to be not that, right? It has to be something about the figure. Because it's not literally... I'm not sitting at Denny's and I get a placemat and I solve a maze and then someone brings me a new maze. Because you said before you are unlocking how to complete the thing based on your knowledge of the world. Like There's some overarching... Arching, arcing, overarching puzzle, arcing. Ar- it doesn't matter. I'm, fall- I'm, I'm losing steam. You're barely alive. Here. Uh, yeah, I get, I get th- there's it. something connective tissue that's connecting all of this stuff, right? Like a, a larger puzzle that's coming into shape. There has to be kind of, kind of. But <laughs> um, ultimately, what what is keeping me coming back for more? First of all, the island itself is beautiful and interesting, and there's n- new things around every corner. But it's what is so magical about it is this sense of discovery. And I know you've experienced it because you've played Portal and other puzzle games where you discover the thing and you're like, oh my gosh, that moment of figuring it out is really fun and really is a big hook of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that is a that is such a satisfying thing to feel. But more than that, the discovery in this game, 
he I, I know that there is more than just one person responsible for this game, but it really does feel like Jonathan Blow authored it. And it also feels more than almost any game out there. It feels like you're having a conversation with him. I know that sounds really highfalutin, but Well it's just it's just totally different things where it's just puzzles over and over again and then you say you're figuring it out with just your brain and then you're having a conversation with with the author of this piece like i how can you how can you solve this puzzle for me how do you connect these pieces without spoilers or whatever like i don't understand what this game is and you are so good at explaining games but i feel like you are failing this (laughs) (laughs) well okay so you're in a situation where you come upon a puzzle and you can't figure it out. You don't. You don't even understand. You don't even understand the rules at play. So you have to abandon that. So you have to go someplace else. And you come upon a, another panel, and it's a, a series of panels. And there is a very simple puzzle, and you you solve that. And you go okay, and that unlocks another puzzle, and that builds on the last one, and it adds this new element. And you go okay, well, I just solved it, but why did it work, or why didn't it work when I could have solved it this way? Oh, oh, I see. Okay, so that little. That little white square means this. So okay, it's, so it's layering information, like to use your portal analogy, like you have red and blue, but then you have, you know, this is your speed goop and this is the slowdown time. Yes. Like you're layering things Definitely. that you learn one at a time. I mean, would it be possible to guess your way through a final puzzle just because you figured it out or you got lucky? You could you could totally guess your way through any of the puzzles in the game if you just happen to be the luckiest person alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's a solution that's always the solution and you just walk up and you can do it. There's nothing preventing you from doing the right solution right away without any foreknowledge. But there's so many – most of the mazes have so many possible solutions that aren't right. You know, you can you can get from point A to point B myriad ways – but there's only one correct way that solves the puzzle. Uh, it's not like those mazes uh, of our youth that ha- all did end in dead ends. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's not that they're dead ends. It's that you can get to the end, but it's not the correct way to have gotten there. And knowing why it's the correct way is so satisfying. It is so satisfying to know why I got that there the correct way. And... That iconography that he builds over time by layering information to you is really interesting and satisfying, but that's not even my favorite ones. There is there is one particular section, and there's each of these sections are very much like a Metroidvania feel like islands or like, you know, temples in Zelda, where it's like they're very much uh, a whole bunch of puzzles that interlock and then are done. And they and you your reward is that this mechanism opens up and a laser shoots out the top and it like connects the island. I don't know what happens at the end because I haven't gotten to the end, but that's the sort of pathway you're following. But within each of these isolated sort of groupings of puzzles, they're all sort of themed in one way. And it's amazing the number of variations on that theme that he can mine. But one of my favorite ones is there's this, um, early on, there's this, uh, sort of Asian temple looking place that has a tree in the middle of it. It looks like a, you know, Asian um, architecture, Japanese architecture. You can walk up to it and there's a tree in the middle and how he communicates the correct puzzles in the, in that thing, like the way he communicates it, the environment starts giving you clues and, you have to pay attention to all these things around it and then other parts of the environment construct pathways that, you know, it is 
absolutely brilliant. And I kept going, I kept having these like jaw dropping moments of like, oh my God, that is so smart. And I'm having this conversation in a way with the designer. I'm, I'm, he's giving me little breadcrumbs that's, that are leading me through this maze. And every time I think I've got it figured out, he changes the rules just slightly. And I go, well, the way that I just applied to the last puzzle only gets me halfway there now. So what's the new bit? What's the thing I'm missing? And I, I tweeted out a picture of like these scraps of paper that I had all around me of doodling and drawing and taking it, you know, taking it offline and, and really f- having this physical moment of like, oh, I have to, I have to write this down because I needs the physical representation in my brain has to work correctly for me to even get how to apply it over here. And what a special experience for a video game. It is totally unlike anything else. And I, it's, it's got its hooks in me. It really does. Yeah, I mean, you tweeted a picture of it, but I mean, you literally have a notepad and you're do- taking notes as you're playing things and it looks like the sketches of a crazy person. It does. It looks like a beautiful mind. It looks like something from a beautiful mind. It's, But it's it's so fun to be that invested in, in something. And, you know, I've heard a lot of uh, criticisms of this game that there really is, isn't anything else there. Somebody said it's puzzles all the way down, which is the truth. Like when you sat, you you solve a puzzle, it just reveals more puzzles, and it'll open a door, and you're like, "Oh my god, I got that door! That door that has been sitting there, and I haven't been able to figure it out. I solved like 20 puzzles, and it resulted in me finally being able to open that door. And that door opens. Oh my god, there's stairs, and I go down. <laughs> oh my god, this new area, and wh- oh, it opens up into this big room full of more puzzles. Like it's literally just your reward is more puzzles." And I can totally understand that that being frustrating. And there's even part of me that's like, I wish there was something more going on. And there kind of is in a little way. Like there's a a big reveal that I won't spoil that does kind of give you more of something. But still, the the actual thrust of the game is just revealing more puzzles. And I think that's I think that's kind of the point. Isn't that kind of every game though? Like Forza Six you race a fast enough time and you unlock more cars and more tracks. Um, well, but Halo, are... you beat a level, you get more shooting. Yeah, but but you also get the story of the Covenant. And you also get, in Portal, you get, you know, the idea of uncovering this mystery of Aperture Science and what's going on behind the scenes. And is there a... this? There's there's a narrative that draws you through. There's a There's sort of a point to it, you know? And I think that this game is has decided to actively play against that to a very specific end. And and my theory is that this game, you could, I'm sure right now you can go online and find uh, solutions to all the, all the puzzles in the game that people have uploaded, you know, and we talked a little bit about it uh, last week before the game came out about like, will you use those kinds of things? And I think the fact that there is no other thing there is no other reason to be there than to just keep solving puzzles. Takes away any desire for anybody to go through the trouble of just walking through a strategy guide version because you're not getting anything else. If if you're depriving yourself the joy of figuring it out, there's no, no other pot at the end of that rainbow. It's just the figuring out. That's all that's there. So between this, and I'm not trying to 
be negative Nancy on it, but like between this or a book of the best Sudoku puzzles or the Sunday Times crossword. Yeah. Is this It's the same thing. So no I, better, I, no worse. It's just different well, types of puzzles, but but I feel like you're learning as you're going, whereas like the Sunday Times, if you beat you know, December twelfth. I don't know if that's a Sunday crossword. Then you get December nineteenth. You, you're not learning anything from the twelfth to the nineteenth. You haven't unlocked right. a clue on how to solve Sunday New York Times crosswords. You're just a really well, you smart get person better with at the them. big vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, you get better at them. You get better at Sudoku, and you get and you get better at this weird made up iconography that uh, Jonathan Blow invented. You know, so there's really a, not a it's not a skill set that actually is worthwhile. But I do Hold think on, the I'm editing compl- my resume now. Sorry, oh, yeah. dang it. <laughs> I do think the complexity of the world and the discovery uh, and the sort of magic of being able to enter a new area and walking around a virtual world is interesting and fun and not possible in a obviously in a Sudoku, right? You know, book. But it is basically a Sudoku book. It is basically like puzzles for their own to their own end. So you know they're. Puzzles for their own sake. I don't know if this is a spoiler, and you can just say you're not going to answer it. I mean, does the name mean anything? Like, it's called The Witness. Could it just be called Puzzly Book? Uh, okay, there is something answer, else. <laughs> there is something else. <laughs> that's where I feel. But like... dude, I, I'm telling you, there's been there have been times sitting there where I figured something out, and not just once, over and over and over, I figure something out, and I feel this euphoric sense of accomplishment and a magic and oh my god i can't believe he thought of that and i can't believe he thought of that and then i thought of that and i can't believe we had this sort of long distance conversation about this solution i don't know it's it's a magical experience and it's not like anything else it's really really cool i wonder if there's a way to have that type of experience and someone will probably, probably yelling into their phone right now or whatever that there is a game but like that marries and I guess portals maybe the closest but that type of experience with uh, a narrative through line because while Tomb Raider you know we both loved the puzzles of those tombs uh, to call them puzzles is to be generous it's to find the water right. bucket to fill <laughs> you yeah. know to open the thing well, they're to get a little the puzzly, right yeah. right but like in, you know you weren't raving about how smart you felt or this genius aha moment. And do you think there's room for puzzles? Like, do you think this game, what if this game existed within, um, Oh, come on. Uh, sleep deprivation brain. That's endless space game. That's coming out on the PS4 and PC. Oh, no man's sky. Yeah. Like if no man's sky also just had this stuff littered through it, does that work? Well, I mean, I think what you're describing is like, is Fez is portal is even braid. Like, Jonathan Below's own game had a, a pot of gold at the end of the puzzle yeah. rainbow, you know, had a, a point. And I think and there are some sadness, really cool. <laughs> it was. Uh, and there are some really cool big ideas that I don't want to spoil anything, but the game sort of shares these big ideas in a really profound way. And uh, I found that to be really shocking and cool. Um so recommend, don't recommend, wait for PS Plus or Xbox Gold sale. Where, I, th- where I are recommend you on the it, witness? but it's very, for a very specific kind of person. You have to be patient, I think. And, I, you know, I loved the fact that I played a large chunk of this on a plane where I, I didn't bring anything else to do, and I had to do that. And I, at the end of it, wanted to do that and then played it in my hotel room constantly, too. I was like any, you know, 15 minutes I could spend. There, I was trying to fiddle, uh, figure out another puzzle. 
Um, so anyone cool. listening to this podcast at 2x speed, it's not for them? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, If you don't have the patience to get through a podcast at 1x. Um, I also, when I got home, I also uh, tried out the Division beta. Yeah, I tried to try it out, and I wasn't able to. No? Not yet. What yeah. happened? Uh, I had a code, but it must be wrong. Oh. It didn't work, and I don't have another code. But they extended it, so maybe I emailed and said, like, hey, this doesn't work. Did you email five people the same code? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, you, you they, dove in. I did dive in. I dive, dove in on PC. Um, had some problems initially, but updating my drivers, my GeForce drivers, fixed those problems immediately. Um, and the game, first of all, is just gorgeous. I mean, really, really pretty. And I like it. I like it so far. I mean, I've only played it about two hours. I did all the story stuff that's available in the beta, which is not much at all, but kind of points to what's going to be available, which which feels like what I kind of wanted out of uh, um, Destiny. I, I feel like this is it's very similar to Destiny. It's the same basic formula, which is um, loot in a multiplayer shooter arena and do the same quests over and over probably i'm assuming that this game will have that at different difficulty levels and you know get loot but the, it adds what it adds i think is a story that's coherent and interesting uh, and and that is like we're solving the mystery of what killed off most of the population in this crazy virus outbreak thing and it adds like base building and fun mmo hooks that i like in other mmos which is you know do things to better you're part of this world that only you get to see, but at least it's more than just grinding to get a better gun, which I feel like Destiny is fun. The, sh- the shooting is, that's really all there is. And I like that already the Division has multiple things to be working on at any given time. Like, oh, maybe I want to go out and, you know, do some things to better my base and, and you know, build up the medical wing of my base or the tactical wing of my base or the security wing of my base, which gives me different perks. I that's, I think, already a cool thing. And uh, I had a fun encounter. Like, I was wandering around, and this this pedestrian walked up to me, and I scanned him, and he said, hey, man, can I get some food? And it said, push X to give him a can of beans or whatever. And I did, and he dropped loot and gave me XP. And I was like, you know, already, it's a small thing, and it's minor, and it's going to get old. But already, like, just having that in the game makes the world feel a little more interesting than just shoot everything that moves you know yeah well i, I don't know like i i want to get in and try it because part of that does seem interesting but part of that seems like the stuff that in fallout for me felt like a grind where you can do all this stuff but like yeah you get xp but is it just a distraction from the game and it like the witness is so pure in what it is right it is just puzzle games and i feel like sometimes some of these other games are trying to be a million things that and they do none of them super well. Like I wouldn't want just the base building in Fallout, or just you know what I've harped right. on Fallout enough. But like That's so, the divisions. The like, is it the best bean giving simulator? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, because well, games are so big now, I don't know if they need to be. Yeah, I mean, this game definitely, it, it it's just creating things to be time sinks, right? And that's a lot of what these games are. And Destiny, it's like, well, I want to keep playing Destiny because I like playing Destiny and I want to get better stuff, but give me something to do other than the same quest that I've done 12 times, you know? And um, I, I just feel like already that it seems like there's a little more variety. And I wandered into the Dark Zone and, and tried some of the Dark Zone stuff, stayed there. And, all, you know, that sounds seems really interesting right away, mm-hmm. uh, which is this, you know, the section of the game that's all multiplayer 
and uh, has harder enemies in it that are um, AI enemies, and they drop better loot than you get in the rest of the game, but that loot is contaminated, so you have to extract it first. You mm-hmm. can't just you know save your game. You don't get it. Um, and once you start extracting it, everyone in the area, all the other players in the area, get alerted to the fact that you're extracting it, so they can come over and mess with you and try to steal your stuff, uh, which could be really frustrating, but also is pretty in- in- interesting. And the fact that it's not every part of the game, that it's just this one area, and yeah, it's probably going to be the best stuff, but I feel like if I'm not into that, I can avoid it and you know build up my medical station mm-hmm. and do the story quests and get cool loot that way. I think there's enough other stuff to do that it doesn't intrude. Uh, and the shooting was really fun. Um, yeah, in the beta at least, I hope it's not like this for the real game, but all the enemies looked the same. Oh, okay. And they are a lot of them are very much bullet sponges. Bandana guy uh, with uh, helmet on, or <laughs> yeah, forty bandana guys with helmet on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds like though it's living up to its promise from an E3 reveal, closer than some other games have, including Destiny, where you know it looks pretty. It looks like it is it is big. Um, the multiplayer stuff is is very real. Hopefully, this game it is like a beta that is showing promise and not. That was another problem I think Destiny had is the beta came out and everybody was like, dude. I keep this beta is dope. When this full game comes out and we get to see like what's going on yeah. on the moon, it's going to be crazy. And then the full game came out and it was like, oh, it's it's just the beta. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly what happened to me. Is I was so over the moon, literally intended for uh, <laughs> for Destiny, and it was like, oh, I can see the potential of this game. And they're like, oh yeah, no, there's no more potential. This is the game, <laughs> you know. Um, but I hope that. It seems like uh, in this case there is a lot more of a robust story, and you're getting cutscenes, and you're getting—I mean, there's cutscenes in Destiny too, but um, you know, you're getting this idea of building something and creating something that's yours, and I think that's that's already something that that hooks me in. So I just I don't, don't know, know if I mean, the representation of Manhattan is quite as good as Lego Avengers on my Vita. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it is a gorgeous game. Wow, it's it's really pretty, but it it's also one of those games where you know, 99.9% of the things you see are non-interactable. It's all right. just whatever's the loot is the loot and everything else is just eye candy. Our car door still interactable. Like when you lean against it, it shuts. I remember in that trailer, that was like, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, I know this is pointless, but it looks so cool. <laughs> I didn't try that specifically, but there's lots of cars leaning against. I mean, it is a cover shooter. It's sure. very much a cover shooter. So you're leaning against a lot of things. There's a lot of leaning against things. I think it's funny how like graphic fidelity, you know, like driving games always have it where it's autumn and like leaves are just constantly falling, you know, like yeah. raining down on you as like sun is coming in through dust and you have like those sparkles in the horizon and like in uh, city games or shooter games, it's like just newspapers constantly blowing like in right. that future. It's a post-apocalyptic world, but print media never died. <laughs> right, right, right. There's so many newspapers. I've everywhere. never been on the street. If I ever walked down the street and I saw that many newspapers blowing, but like, <laughs> my hair's not out of, like it's like the weirdest yeah. wind pattern ever but it's so impressive in terms of tech like when you're watching a video game yeah. but never or like the way capes blow you're like oh that's dope cape physics but or like your trench coat like have you your, has yeah. your coat ever blown like that never it's it's awesome because you you look at that and you go wow it looks so realistic right. and it's not realistic at all <laughs> no, but yeah. it's like oh the realism of the world it's like well but 
No. Yeah. <laughs> Someone clean up the adopt a street. Clean up those newspapers. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Well, we got they got bigger fish to fry, i.e. the global pandemic that's <laughs> hit humanity. That maybe but, was started because of an overabundance of rogue newspaper pages. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm really uh high higher anticipation for divinity uh uh, division, divinity, division, <laughs> destiny—it's all mumbling. It's in my soon head though. Because... Division soon. Yeah, March. Yeah, uh, it's cool, and it's it's um, it's the just the shooting is really fun, and yeah, it's um, you know, I think it's gonna hopefully it'll be that game that I wanted Destiny to be. Yeah, but, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll wrap things up. Uh, we just wanted to add a little addendum onto the show. Uh, thanks again for everybody that uh, showed up at. Our live panel, well, man, that was really fun, and all of our guests. Too many to name at this point. Man, that was a packed panel. But uh, we'll be back next week. Packed packs. Uh, Yeah, thanks to everybody. Thanks to you, Christian, also. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.